I don't know if anyone's ever heard of the concept of the of love languages. There's yeah. a, a, a famous book called The Five Love Languages. I can't remember what pretty much any of them are. But oh come on, uh, really? Like like, like one is gifts. Yeah, touch. Yeah, no, gifts. gifts is not. A, oh, gifts. Yes, it is. With gifts. a T. Yeah. With yeah. a T. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Memes and gifts are definitely a love language, you guys. I will say. <laughs> You're listening to Working Code, and now your hosts, who wish they were Boolean, so the next time they're wrong, it's only by a bit. Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. Okay, here we go. It is show number 76, and on today's show, Ben needs a minute. So we're going to give it to him. (laughs) But first, as usual, we'll start with our triumphs and fails. It's my turn to go first, so I'm going to start us off with a triumph. I, as I was discussing last week on the show, actually, decided to make some improvements to my open source library semaphore for feature flags and CFML, and I'm done now. I've actually released, when we're recording this, I've released like a beta version of 1.0, which will include my changes, and it was super easy to make those changes because I had tests. So like four or five lines of code changed and I could make all those changes with high confidence that I haven't broken anything else because the tests all still pass. And I added new tests for the new functionality. So Yay. I'm happy about that. That is awesome. It took me probably three or four times longer to write the blog post explaining what I was planning on doing <laughs> and publish that on my blog than it did to make the code changes. To do the actual work. I love yeah. when it's like that. Like, oh, this was great. Easy to do. Now the documentation part starts. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything in the the testing that, that like is a mock of a persistence layer or anything like that? Not of a persistence layer. So this library just kind of throws that responsibility over the fence, the data persistence. Gotcha. It, the, the library, you, you instantiate it and you go, okay, here's your data. And then it'll do the, it's the rules engine processing stuff. And so the the data persistence and crud of the rules is all entirely out of scope. Ah. Mm, nice, nice. Yeah, it shouldn't care about the logic. It should just care that the functions work, that the core mm-hmm. of, of making a rule work is there. Right. So for the test, it just creates an instance of the CFC and says, okay, here's all the flags and now run some tests to verify different things about different scenarios. That's cool. Very cool. I see that Adam Cameron, is he building his own testing framework? Has anyone been following that conversation? I haven't been following it closely, but I do know that he is. I think that... Was it just, is it just an exercise or is there something more in depth as far as need? Yes. My impression, and again, I have not been following it closely, but my impression is that he was dissatisfied with some of the problems he was running into with other testing frameworks in CFML. Mm. He has a penchant for finding bugs, right? He, he oh, starts great. a project mm-hmm. and instantly finds bugs in Lucy and Adobe Cold Fusion and whatever Absolutely. frameworks and libraries he's using. Which is the kind of person I want on my team, by the way. Exactly. Yeah. Fantastic at yeah. it. And so I think that maybe partially inspired by that, he was like, how hard can it be to write a testing library? So he's kind of like creating his own and he's TDDing the library itself. And I, I, from what I understand, he's now TDDing his blog articles. Like he's like, okay, this is the next thing I want to write in the article. Let me write the code for it and make sure that it's passing the tests. And then I can write that chunk of the article. Yeah, like, I think he described it as like red, green, refactor, write. 
adding a step seems, to it seems like a, a a a bit of work but interesting very interesting the dude is a machine yeah he he yeah i don't understand I'll it i don't get that. it well i i do understand it i just am not at that place in my life anymore i've moved to a new phase of life where when the work day is over I don't want to see a computer. And I've gotten really good at disconnecting. Like I have my phone and if I'm on call or if if it escalates to me, then I'll get the notifications and I don't mind dealing with that. But I don't use a computer for fun anymore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Um, Aside like, okay, I I use a computer to control the CNC in my workshop or to do the 3D printing stuff. But like, I'm not coding for fun anymore. Used to all the time, but yeah. I have a question for you. Previously, you had written something to check your test coverage, and that was in your CFML projects. Yeah. Uh oh. Uh, I love you. I love you, Carol. But no. <laughs> what was that? You, so I wrote a tool to keep an eye on our application and see like which actions in the application were succeeding, which are being used, which are not being used. And and when they're being used, are they succeeding or erroring? What's the error rate like? And and it was inspired by uh, test coverage tools. I don't know why I thought a long time ago, like maybe a year ago, you wrote something to figure out if you had test coverage. No, it wasn't. I mean, it was, I, I have done a lot of stuff with test coverage, but I didn't write the coverage tools. And yeah, so when we were migrating from Adobe Cold Fusion to Lucy, I wrote that. I mean, it's basically hooks inside of our application framework that we use, like lifecycle hooks, right? Before, after, that sort of thing. And I hook into those to, I guess, for lack of a better word, instrument the application and log, okay, this action was run and it was successful and it took this amount of time or an error was thrown or whatever. So that we have those statistics on an action by action basis throughout our application which has been really useful and uh, interesting data to have. But yeah, no, it's not, like I said, it's inspired by test coverage in terms of like being able to drill down into things right. and see where the the hot areas are, but it's not at all about testing. Okay. That's what I'm looking at next is something to give me test coverage on our CFML projects. I wish you so, luck. Yeah. It, it may be something that we have to do in-house, but that's part of trying to find out where you're covered at. So we've got to do something. I mean, I don't know exactly how test coverage tools work. I've seen some in the past that give me the impression that they like modify your source code and inject its own code like on every other line, like between every line of your code to say, okay, it's like when you're debugging, you do, okay, console.log A, console.log B, console.log C, because you want to see exactly how far it's getting through your thing. Well, it's my impression is that it's doing that to say, okay, this line was run, then this line was run, then this line was run, because the coverage is not even tracking necessarily whether code did well. It's just this was executed in the course of running the tests. So you run the tests and it it logs what was and wasn't executed. I'm not aware of anything that currently does that for CFML. I think there there used to be something, if I'm not mistaken, built into Fusion Reactor. Mm. Oh, but or or maybe I'll it was in that. maybe it was in C Fusion or one of those tools. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I don't know how this even works in the JavaScript side because I would think that you're wiring your application together. Although I guess the test coverage is not based on the running application; it's based on the unit tests and and that kind of stuff. So I guess there's more opportunity for the testing framework to wrap around the things that you're actually calling. 
So, so in that case, maybe on a cold fusion perspective, you could wrap all the components and not do the line by line, but you could certainly, with an on-missing method, proxy every single function call and, and see which ones are called kind of a thing. And then hmm. you, you couldn't say like this line was called, but you could say like none of these functions were ever called. Right. Nothing kind of on there executed. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I, to be Thoughts. fair, I don't know how it works for JavaScript either. It's all yeah, it's a black magic to me. I would and love it just to happens. find some time and dig into a library yeah. that does that, like look at the code in jest, but, and who has the time? <laughs> Not and to do our real jobs. <laughs> Yo, do you ever, uh, sometimes an open source library will do something interesting and I'm like, oh, you know what? I bet that would be really useful. Let me look at how it's done. And then you go to the GitHub repository for it, and it's like a thousand files, and like each file is like a it's like fifteen hundred lines of code. And you're like, I'm never gonna wrap I my head around even it how out. this is yeah. being put together. Yeah. Yep. Let alone find the one thing that I thought would be interesting to know about. Oh, the yeah. thing that drives me nuts in those situations is like, I'm like, okay this is a really small library and I really want to add this feature or fix this bug or whatever. And I go dig into the code and it is way too clever for its own good. And like, <laughs> it's a, it uses all this indirection and abstraction and, and it's like totally unreadable because I'm coming into it completely, you know, blank, no history yeah, with this code. Yeah. It's so, it, it makes it like opaque, impossible mm -hmm. to read. And I'm just like, nope, I give up. Sorry. I was going to contribute, but you made it too difficult. So, and I, for me, I've in this like later stage of my career, as I'm reaching my elderly phase of my Your old man career days. here, yeah, yeah, I've come to appreciate the fact that clever code is bad code. <laughs> you know, a thousand percent, yes. I need it to be readable. <laughs> like, need I need to be able to read it, and I need to just kind of be able to follow it pretty easily, or I lose interest very quickly. Yeah. You know, we have a whole suite of Node.js services, and this is not a knock on Node. This is just the lifespan of our company. The Node services were sort of post-Cold Fusion, pre-Go, and they're this sort of no-man's land of architecture. And every time I have to go into one of the Node services to update it, I'm just like, oh my God, F you. <laughs> Why did you put it together like this? There's like so much layers of indirection and passing objects to other objects that then inject properties into that other object and pass it back. And you're just like, it's impossible. You really have to, it's like, you can't come in and just karate chop a fix. You have to like embed nope. in this project to understand how it works and work on it for weeks before you feel comfortable with even just understanding the control flow of a request. It's just, it's just crazy. Yeah. I totally understand what you're saying though. Like it's totally possible and easy to write bad code in any language. Yeah. 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 And, it's just, and, and again, know, like that's not a knock on note yeah. at all. It's, it's like, it feels like someone from, from like a Java background where there's a lot of in, interesting patterns came into node and was like, oh, I'll just apply the same kind of thing, but like didn't have any of the interesting like, dependency injection frameworks that also come with Java. So yeah. they were hand wiring. It, I don't know. It's just bananas. And it makes me so angry every single time. And the anger never goes away. <laughs> it's okay, Ben. I wish I could hug you. <laughs> oh, don't worry. You'll get an opportunity for some catharsis here in a minute. So Tim couldn't be with us tonight. He, one of his kids is getting yet another award. Another one. Oh my goodness. So These good kids of his. Oh, Gotta go sell them. Making the rest of us look bad as parents here. So, <laughs> it doesn't uh, take much. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God. Hey, what are you trying to say? No, boys are going to be boys. You do the best you can. That's true. All right. Well, so, uh, Carol, how about you? 
Well, I will jump on the celebration wagon with Tim, I suppose. And I'm going to actually go with two triumphs here. So Peyton is, I know, I got I to take on his spot. Peyton's my youngest. He is starting his senior year of high school next year. And he is dual enrolling in college. So he'll be doing college classes Dang. and taking high school classes at the same time. It's very common here. A lot of kids do it. They take their core classes that they need to take for high school over at one of the technical colleges. And they just transfer into their college like classes, right? So it's super common for them to do it. Anyways. He's been working on this for five weeks now, five weeks of back and forth with counselors and asking people to send things and saying, we sent your transcripts, but the school's never got it, submitting his application. They're not getting it. He literally has been walking around with a printed copy of his admission (laughs) application in his backpack because he knows he's going to have to keep handing it to people because he's just getting ignored. He's a 17 year old boy and they have a lot going through and they're just kind of pushing him to the background and to the back burner. And they're like, Oh, we'll get to you. We'll get to you. Everything is due tomorrow. If this isn't finalized tomorrow, he doesn't get a spot and he just has to take all of his classes on campus, which isn't going to work for him because he's also taking independent study. He's taking an AP Physics 2 class because he has decided he wants to get a degree in physics. So, yay, super excited about that. Really proud of him. But today we in the middle of being sick and everything from... I got boosted, so I got my booster yesterday, but of course it made me run a fever. So that's my first triumph. I have all three of my COVID (laughs) shots now, but I've been sick all day. In the middle of being sick, my second triumph happened, which is we went over to the school and I put on my mom's shorts and got it all taken care of. (laughs) So he's enrolled (laughs) in all of his classes. He's admitted. Everything's through and we're good to go. So then I called the school and got all of his independent studies approved. And now that's over at the board office. So I just have to call tomorrow and get that done. So he went from going, I'm just going to handle all of this to, oh my God, I'm so glad you finally jumped in because (laughs) this is overwhelming. So I was proud that he gave it like his best shot at it, but they, the adults that are working with him weren't taking him seriously. So I had to jump in. So it was just nice to see the effort he put in and to finally get it resolved though. So yay. I'm a good mom. Mom superpowers. (laughs) Mom superpowers. (laughs) When we were walking in the school, we have this silly like saying, apparently it's from a movie. I don't know movies, so don't ask me what movie it's from, but it's uh, Praise Dell, Raise Hell or like Raise Hell, Praise Dell, like for Dale Earnhardt, right? So when oh, we Dale. were walking, yeah, when we were walking to school, I was like, Praise Dell, Raise Hell. And Payne goes, please don't raise hell, mom. <laughs> <laughs> who? I was like, I Dale, won't raise hell. Dale Earnhardt, the NASCAR driver that died. Oh, maybe yeah. from, what was the, the Will Ferrell shake and bake? I said Talladega Nights and everybody tells me that's always wrong. It's not from Talladega Nights. So when I find out what it's from, I'll tell you guys. That's the only racing movie I know. Anyway, so yeah, two wins. I have all three of my COVID shots. I procrastinated on the third one. And then I feel like a super good mom because I finally got that resolved. And he's picked a degree for college. So I'm super excited to see what his college career looks like going forward. Very cool. Physics is going to be interesting. (laughs) There was a kid in my high school class who took an AP2 physics. That's what he's taking, yep. He was the only person in it. It was, I think it was just him and the professor. Yep. So that's what they're doing with Peyton is, but I think Peyton has convinced a couple of his friends to take the class with him, but they're still going to be physically sitting in the classroom with the Mm -hmm. physics teacher while he's teaching AP physics one. 
and they will be doing independent study over on their side and they'll just be able to ask him general questions. He's not going to be doing any teaching with them. He'll just be there for when he's not doing work with the other class, he can answer questions for them, but it's fully self-taught. So it'll cool. be hard. Yep. That's me. What about you, Ben? What you got? I'm going to go with the triumph which is that in previous episodes, I had talked about my big goal for 2022 was going to be taking some piece of Lucy CFML code and containerizing it and then deploying it as an image somewhere, whether it's like a DigitalOcean or Amazon Web Services, something. I just want to, I use containers at work, but I don't really know how they move from a, a build system to a production system. So I, wanna, I wanted to do that, but I couldn't figure out what, to do that with like what the topic would be because I didn't want to pick something that was too complex that it was too daunting and I didn't want to pick something that was not interesting at all so I think I finally came up with something that is fairly simple but will have just enough complexity that I think will make it interesting and like just enough real world problem solving that it might be something I actually use in the long term and so, are you going to tell us what this I'm, is? I'm, I'm building. Okay, okay, no, okay, so okay. It's, okay. it's going to be totally anticlimactic, though. But a real-world issue that I have <laughs> is Christmas will roll around, and we live in an apartment complex. And we tend to tip the super during Christmas, and then, like, my wife will tip her hairdresser during Christmas. And every now and then, there's, like, one or two people we need to tip for something or other. And we can never remember what we tip people. So I want to build an app that's literally just like a tipping journal so that 12 months later, when you need to tip someone again, you can look back and say, oh, last year I gave the hairdresser $40 or, or whatever it is. And, and I think that's pretty simple, right? Some sort of login, or maybe it doesn't even have to be a login. Maybe it could be some sort of a, like a magic link. Adam, I think alluded to this in the last episode about those passwordless logins. Mm -hmm. It could be something like that. And then it's maybe a user table and a tip history table, something like that. Super simple, almost no JavaScript, you know, probably just very light CSS, but enough where I can wrap it up in a container and deploy it somewhere. And, and I went so far as to buy a domain name. Yay! Super, yeah, it's super, super hard to find a domain name that is not taken these days. It's so hard. Is there, is, wait, wait, is the domain name just the tip? <laughs> so just the tip was taken. <laughs> of course it was. Just the tips was taken, tips, tips.com was taken, tips, 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 <laughs> tips was taken. <laughs> all these things were like, show me your tips.com was taken, like all these things. <laughs> so what I went with was, so the tips is actually a, a TLD, a top level domain these days. Apparently I went through a giant list of them and I went with sticky.tips, sticky in that it's a yeah, stay from around. year to yeah. year. Yeah. It seems short and funky enough I to like make it, it interesting. And it's actually the first domain name that I've ever purchased through Cloudflare. All of my oh, domains Cloudflare historically. Cloudflare is great. Yeah. Yeah. I've been playing around with Cloudflare as a CDN, but apparently they're, as a registrar, their their mission statement is that they only sell their domain names at cost. Like yep. it's not something that where they want to make a profit. They're just providing yep. the service. And uh, so I think it was like 15 bucks or something for the .tips domain name, which... It's not bad. Uh, I feel like it's not bad, but I think a .com domain name these days is like $8 or something. Yeah, I, yeah you start honestly, out like seven ninety nine. Yeah, I have no idea why the different TLDs are different prices. That's like a whole, it feels very like... Supply like, and demand, man. Is it, it, I don't know. It feels very like a mobster-ish Look, if you could have gotten, <laughs> if you could have gotten like just the .tips, do you think that you would have paid 20 bucks for that? Yes, I would have. <laughs> we would I'll have bought you, that for you after. It's shocking, though. 
it's shocking, but not shocking how many things it'll say, oh, this domain name's already taken. And then you go to it and it's just a parked page on GoDaddy or, or yep. somewhere. It's like no 95% it of all domains are just parked pages. Like at least redirect it to porn or something. Make it interesting for <laughs> clicking on the link. Oh. Make it useful. Yes. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> I, have, me. I don't care. What is it? May, June. So we're in the fifth month. So I have, I have seven months to turn my 2020 goal into something that approaches a Yay! thing. And uh, I feel like I can do that. I'm feeling confident. I just need to now carve out the time to actually start it. And you'll have it ready for when you need to start tipping your Christmas tips. There you go. There yeah. you go. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You'll, you'll get there. You'll get there. Hope so. It'll be a hard-coded file. It'll just be a text <laughs> file. It's okay. Uh, on the domain. And it'll be like, here's what you did for tips last year. You got it going. That's Edit fine. the text file and, and deploy it. And it just pushes that text file up in a Docker container. Yeah. It's a it. start. It's a start. It's so tough, though, because you think about it and and technically... I have all the tools already that I could build this without even dealing with containers and containerization, right? Because I could deploy a, a static site, like an Angular site to Netlify and not have to worry about the build. It can come directly out of GitHub. And then I could use something like Firebase's free tier to to store it all in a giant JSON document. And like I could make it, like it's so simple that I could make that happen probably with fairly little effort. But like, I have to remember that I'm doing this as a learning mm-hmm. opportunity. Yeah. Like I'm choosing the harder path because I want to. I want to learn the harder thing. Right. There are steps you want to know now. Yeah. Yep. I get but it. I'm. I'm. I'm super excited to be in a place where the idea of building a container or building an image and then deploying it as a container to somewhere. I want that to be something that feels not second nature, but doesn't feel like a black box and yeah and at I least can, there's I, an understanding of it yeah yeah and if i could get that i, I feel like it would be a very good investment of my time yeah <sighs> well i'm glad we're all winners this week Yay. yeah yeah we're and gonna call what? tim a winner i i haven't registered any domains through cloudflare but i like as soon as they open it up that you could transfer in your domains i moved I everything yep. over that i could all mine moved uh, over oh, to there cloudflare yep yeah yeah Oh, nice. Yeah, they announced that they were going to be opening for registration eventually, but then they were like, but in the meantime, you can just transfer everybody Mm -hmm. in, all of your domains in that they support. There's still a few TLDs that they don't support. And yeah, especially because A, their tools don't suck. B, the company is not awful like certain (laughs) GoDaddy, Mm -hmm. other companies. And C, they sell them to you at cost. So like, it's there's no reason, no good reason not to move it over there as far as I can tell. Except I guess the one thing that I don't like about it is that like, they're so good right now that everybody's just flocking to them and it's going to become this like single point of failure for the internet. So not that we're sponsored by them because that would be great if we were, but also their documentation is really good. So if you start setting up Mm -hmm. something, a new project and you don't know how to do it, there's so much documentation out there that walks you through everything you need to do, everything like you need to know with all your settings and just like certificates, all that stuff is out there and laid out pretty easy to read. Very cool. Yeah. Cloudflare, hit us up. Yeah. (laughs) We'll talk better about you. We actually, we use Cloudflare as our CDN at work. And we uh, came under a DDoS attack for the first time that I know of, maybe like a month and a half ago. And it's funny because we're looking at the Cloudflare dashboard and you can see like it goes from like X number of requests a minute to all of a sudden it was like 8 million requests Mm -hmm. a minute. Yeah. And we're like, what's going on? And we're trying to look at the IPs to see if we can add some sort of IP blocking. And some someone finally put like two or three IPs 
under some uh, block list and all of a sudden the traffic totally stopped. And we're like, oh man, this is so great. And then finally someone was like, hey, those IPs are actually our own internal IPs. We actually <laughs> <laughs> but it turned, so we're like, were we DDoSing ourselves and we didn't realize it? But it turns out that Cloudflare had like kicked in some automatic DDoS protection, like just at the same time. So we thought we had fixed it, but actually Cloudflare had fixed it for us. Oh, really nice. <laughs> oh that's awesome. Yeah, they have really good protection up front and you can turn on the settings. They're like, oh, when you're getting hit, what do you want your users to see? And you can configure all that so that it doesn't look so bad to your front end users. They're not just stuck there on a page of nothing responding. Yeah, it's interesting. I So I've only experienced Cloudflare from a CDN standpoint and now this first domain being purchased. And so I have my, I put my blog behind the CDN and it's just, it's just a blind pass through it doesn't do anything like it doesn't even cache the yeah, the html pages or anything so you're on the gray cloud is that what that's called oh, yeah if you go into your dns settings in cloudflare you can like if there's a little cloud icon and if it's gray then it, they're yeah. just a, a pass through but if you orange okay. cloud if you click on yeah. it and, and make it orange then you get like cloudflare features ah like all, all right. the alerts and stuff yeah, yeah, see, I'm still learning, but it, every month I get a, a, the email from them and just says like, how much bandwidth did they serve? And it'll say something like, oh, we stopped 146 malicious attacks. And you're like, oh. Yeah, glad you were there, buddy. Was, I, yeah, I didn't know that was going on. <laughs> you're like virtual high fives. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, good times, triumphs, triumphs all around. I like Heck it. Yeah. All right, Ben, what grinds your gears, man? <laughs> just so, take a minute I mean, and talk to us, buddy. Yeah, so I feel like I've been trying to crush it hard lately at work. And uh, I made this joke, I thought it was last episode or the previous episode, but like if I crush it in the woods and no one's there to see it, yeah, yeah, I'm actually yeah. crushing it, yeah. And and so I'll, we have this like showcase channel in Slack where when people release product features, they'll make a little demo video and a little blurb about what it's doing, they'll drop it in this channel. And, and I do that too. And of course, I'm the only one doing it from V6. Everyone else is doing it from the new platform. The, so I'm on the legacy platform, V6. And, and it's just like, it's, it's crickets. I'll, I'll make a little demo video and I say like, here's the use case. And I drop it in there and I write, this is how much uh, ARR annual recurring revenue is attached to all of the tickets that have been filed. And that's a super loose number. I mean, that's nothing you could, but it, it, it's basically like, all the customers who have filed tickets around this thing, this is the amount of money they are paying us. Not for that ticket specifically, but this is the amount of money that customer is worth. So we'll say like, oh, this had a, a 500000 or a million dollars of ARR attached to this one issue. And I, I'm super excited about it. And then it's like, like maybe a few people maybe will give me like a thumbs up or a little like party parrot emoji. But no one even drops a comment and it's like, hey, that's cool. Or, oh, awesome to remove friction from our users' lives. And it's really kind of demoralizing. And But more than that, it's gotten me to think about, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of the concept of the of love languages. There's yeah. a, a famous book called The Five Love Languages. I can't remember what pretty much any of them are. But, oh, come on. Uh, really? Like, like, like one is gifts. Yeah. Touch. <laughs> no. Gifts is not. A, oh, gifts. Yes, it is. With gifts. a T. Yeah. With yeah. a T. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Yes. <laughs> Memes and gifts are definitely a love language, you guys. <laughs> I will say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that's so good. That's so good. I will. I have on occasion (laughs) said that gifts with no T is my love language. (laughs) Yo, so I was thinking about my love language and I'm definitely a compliments person. Gifts don't really mean anything to me. So that would be what? Words of affirmation? Words of affirmation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Words of affirmation. And I think that's, you know, like, that's why this is so demoralizing for me is I I just want someone to come in and say, hey, Ben, you did a good job. Way yeah. to go. And, it's, and that's it's like, not too much to ask for. <laughs> I know. It's not. Well, but it's interesting. So, so not to just meander all over the place here, but then I was thinking about Carol and now she's stepping into more of a managerial position. And I know we've talked about like personality tests in previous episodes. And I wonder if the concept of love languages or something to that effect goes into how you think about managing the people that are under you. Because there are some people like me who want to hear compliments and then maybe there's some people who really want to be promoted and that's how they feel like they're being uh, uh, acknowledged. Or there's some people who want bonuses and like that's how they feel that they're being acknowledged. I mean, I don't, it, it feels like there's not a one size fits all. And there's a lot of just stream of consciousness here. But with that one, that's something I'm facing right now. I have one-on-ones with all my people and I'm like, hey, I need to better understand how I communicate with you. Like, how do I effectively communicate with you? Because is it you want to just share jokes every day and we'll just randomly like just how's your morning? What you have for breakfast? Like, do you want those type of conversations or do you want me to just reach out once a week, twice a week? Like I'm trying to, to gauge how these people respond to me better. And I have a very big like I have a very wide audience there on on how I communicate with these people. Yeah. One of my leads is like, I'm probably not going to tell you when things are going wrong because I just hold it in and I was in your spot before and I got really tired of everyone throwing everything on my plate. So I'm probably just going to keep things to myself. So it's probably a good idea if you just reach out to me every other week and ask me if there's anything that I need to know about. And then I'll tell Yo, you, He's like, but I'm going to hold it to myself because I don't want to tax you with something that may or may not be an issue because it could work itself out. He's like, so you just need to reach out. And then other people are like, yeah, let's just say hi every day. Cause I just like saying hi to you every day. So you do have to figure out how people communicate. Like that's the first step of all of this is if I can't communicate with my team, then I'm not going to be able to do a good job in any of this. I'm not going to be able to make them promotable. I'm not going to be able to build plans for them on their growth. I have to first figure out how I talk to you in a way that makes you comfortable and that gets the job done. It's so hard. I, I mean, to me, it's so hard, especially because I'm I'm very introverted. So the idea of like building a database in my head of how people want to interact, that feels I exhausting. love it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's why there's spreadsheets. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I have a Trello board because we have so many different customers and it's like, I need to talk to any individual person from any individual customer, maybe like four times a year that I need to like reach Mm -hmm, out and reason to do, to reach out to them. And so I can't keep all these people straight. So I created a Trello board where it's like, okay, each list is a school and then each card is a person. And if I can find their headshot, I'll put it in there so I can recognize them. And I'll put like notes in the cards. Like, okay, this is this person really likes us and has talked to us about other customer, uh, Mm. has talked about us to other people, like potential customers, like talking us up. I I mark them as like alumni Q champion. Oh, that's cool. Or if they're begrudging users they don't you know, they only use this because they have to then i, I want to know that too so oh, it's like yeah. my own little crm yeah. but it's just a trello board you know i have literally thought of that in the past and thought to myself 
this alone would make a really cool product. I don't know what it would be. I mean, because you could, a lot of this stuff you could do in just a Trello board or just like a notes app, but that feels like there's something, there's a juicy need there in terms of wanting to offline store all this information that could be interesting. Even just like with your spouse or, you know, significant other, you're out at the mall or something and someone remarks like, oh, you know, isn't that a pretty bracelet? And then you want to make like a mental note of like, oh, they mentioned this bracelet. So maybe when some special occasion happens, I can remember that. But I won't remember that because I'd have to write it down. I barely remember yesterday. Yep. That's what notes are for, Ben. Open you your buy phone, it immediately. Take it. Yeah. You buy it immediately and you keep it at the bottom of your sock drawer. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, it's pretty. Go get some ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think there's, I, I think Adam's tapping into something that I think would be useful to a lot of I people so. and probably yeah. in a way that they don't even realize would be helpful to them. My problem is I would just forget that I had it available to me and I would never use it. Yeah, that's what <laughs> Even I do with a be lot really of apps. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, oh, this is a great tool for organizing like my thoughts. Well, then I never use it again. Or this is a it, great tool for organizing my contacts with people. Well, then I never use it again. And I go back to just regular contacts and notes on my phone because that's what right. I'm kind of just used to doing. There's got to be a good domain name for this. <laughs> well, I wonder if it's one of those things that could really benefit from from prompting. Imagine that at 8.30 a.m. every morning, you just get I a I can see like, from your phone GPS location that you're near, <laughs> near uh, K Jewelers. Did you remember no, no. your wife wants this bracelet? No, 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 no. I mean, a prompting like <laughs> if every morning it said, hey, did anything interesting happen? Or it's like, I don't know what the wording would be like. Did anything interesting happen to anyone? Write it down now because you'll never remember it. And then right. you could be like, oh, oh yeah, you know, Carol just had, uh, she's on a board for, what did you say you're on a board for? Band. The band. The yeah, she's on a board band. for band. Like, I would not remember that tomorrow. Well, don't remember don't, that because I just handed my position over. So it's uh, gone. <laughs> Let that go. <laughs> and that'll be the one that he remembers forever. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you the vice president of something somewhere? Yeah, it's just been, it's, I've been feeling so isolated and lonely at work. And I think so much of it is because I just need someone to give me a compliment, like throw me a compliment every now and then. So I know that I'm doing a good job. Like I know that I'm doing a good job intellectually. Sure. But it's like intellectually is only half the battle. I need a gratuitous. Do you have you a go. suggestion box at work? Because if so, we, I think I'm going to write to your suggestion box and tell them to compliment you. It's so hurting my feelings that you guys are not giving Ben his correct attaboys because he deserves his attaboys. He's doing a good job. As a user. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So that's where I'm at. Well, Ben, you are doing a good job. I think you're doing Thank a you. great job. I, I appreciate that. The, the guys on my team who are sort of just honorarily still on my team, they don't actually do any of the work on my team. They'll tell me that what I'm doing is interesting or, or, or fun or cool or whatever. But it's like I need someone from outside of my bubble to say it, to get that, that like public acknowledgement. Well, if you want, you're already making the little snippets and have the information. Just post them in our Amigos channel. We'll at least <laughs> give you the feedback that says we're proud of you. I, I mean, we do have a Triumphs channel. Yeah. Triumphs and Fails. That's true. First in there. And if it's not public, you could just tell us and we'll say we're proud. I mean, it's pretty much all Our, public and that it goes into the product. <laughs> right. Our, so I, I almost feel like there might be a little bit of a weird organizational hierarchy thing to this. Like, I mean, A, you're on a team by yourself. So it's nobody is as aware of it as they would be if they were working with you. But 
also you were very early into the company. I don't know where yeah, you yeah, sit yeah. in the the org chart, but I feel like there's probably not that many people above you that would like make it their own priority to pay attention to what you're producing and give you that attention. Yeah. Yeah. But it's going into the channel with all the other engineers work, right? Like it's going in yeah. where everyone else is posting there. So if you're yeah. setting at a higher tier, typically people under that tier like push to give that the best feedback because they want recognition from someone above. So I feel like that's not really totally right. It is. It's interesting too, because now it was a Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. I think that was him. Yeah. And so now I'm like being the compliments I want to receive. So every Aww. time other people post things, I try to drop in and be like, oh, this looks so great. Or like, oh, this is going to really improve the user experience. Like, oh, it's looking so clean right now. And it's like, I'm trying to put the compliments out there, hoping that they will come back kind of like a vision board. I think that's a great approach. Do you have a manager over you? No. You don't have like anyone who like no handles your time off or anyone who handles when you have like people issues. You literally I, have I mean, no one. technically, I report to the SVP of engineering, who's basically the CTO. Our CTO left and this guy is now basically the CTO. Yeah. Gotcha. So I don't report to him in any kind of ongoing basis, but like my performance reviews will be with him and, <laughs> and that kind of stuff. But so there's not someone. On like a weekly basis, no, checking no, in no, and being like, anymore. hey, how's it going? Oh, I, I used to have that. I used yeah. to have that, but not anymore. None of the legacy platform. Those people have all left. Just do it to a mirror. Like, ask yourself how it's going. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, one of the, the one of the things that is sort of a stand-in is uh, analytics. So when I build a feature, then plug it into, we use Amplitude. I'm a little unclear if Amplitude is... I don't know if we send it to Amplitude, sends it to other places. Anyway, I eventually, data gets into Amplitude and it graphs it. And so every time I build a new feature, I attach Amplitude metrics to it. And then I can start to see usage trickle in from the users. And like that's super rewarding because now I feel like people are actually using this and they're hopefully getting value out of it. And I assume if, if there's a, an initial spike of interaction, and then it completely drops off. I'm like, oh, okay, this was just a dud. And, and I'll be super honest. Some of the stuff that I build is not great. And it doesn't <laughs> add compelling value. But whatever. Like, you just got to throw a lot of stuff against the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, uh, you don't know until you try it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I can tell you that a lot of stuff that even as a company we thought were going to be great ended up not being great. And then stuff that we didn't think was going to be a big deal ended up being a big deal. Like, you just don't know until it's on the page and people are clicking through it and they're either feeling it or they're not feeling it. So yeah, so if I attach the metrics and I can see the metrics continue to be used over time, then it, for me, that's like a compliment uh, of sorts. And, and that's very rewarding. And I can see people using it and I, and I feel that. And that's really, that's been very helpful for me. Yeah. So, and it's working on the legacy platform is particularly challenging too, because I think, I don't know if this is true, but I imagine that because the things that I'm building are for the legacy platform, I think people are hesitant to compliment it because it's not the focus of the company. Uh. And, I, and I almost feel like by people, especially people higher up in the organization, complimenting anything that I do, really, it, I think it might send not the wrong message. I don't know. I don't know. There's an unknown know what the for feeling, them. Yeah. It, I'm sure there's a feeling of like any investment in the legacy platform is 
and I'm not saying this like to no, be no, mean to you it, or anything, but like there's a, there's an aspect of throwing money, throwing that money away, right? Like the yeah, you already yeah, know yeah, you're yeah. going to be shutting it down, so it's got a limited lifetime. But if the but to me, like if I'm looking at this new release of something on there, my assumption is if the company really thought that this application and the legacy platform should be turned off, there wouldn't be any engineers working on it. So clearly there's a need for this to still be maintained. So someone has to do the job and Ben's doing it. So that's not yeah, a bad yeah. thing. And and there's still users. I mean, there's still users on it. That's the thing right. that, that that keeps me waking up every morning. And coming here and trying to crush it at 100% is that there are literally people logging in and still using the legacy platform. And like they deserve stuff. I don't know what that stuff is, but they definitely deserve it. You throw it on uh, the wall and see if it sticks. <laughs> and I get, yeah. Deserve. And, and I, was in the, I was in one of the support channels the other day. I troll a lot of the support channels looking for inspiration. And one of the guys was saying, oh, the administrators in some of our teams spending a lot of time doing this one thing that really shouldn't be hard in the system at all. And I was like, bro, why did you not tell me about this? And he was like, I just found out about it. I know it's crazy how much time they're spending. And I don't want to go into the details, but I'm like, I can build this. I can literally build this in like an hour to I fix, fix this, this, to remove yeah. that problem. So I, I learned about it on, it was like a Tuesday and Wednesday, I had a solution in production. It's not, it wasn't a lot of work. So I'm not tuning my own horn here. It was just like, I just needed to know that it was a problem so right. that I could build the solution. And I went back and I said, oh, can you please tell your clients that I built this? And, and the guy, this is like so heartbreaking. He was like, well, I don't want to tell them that you built this because they're scheduled to move over <gasps> to the new platform in 17 days. No. He's like, yeah, he's like, and I don't know if they will appreciate having this solved for them and then immediately going to a new platform where they essentially get this pain again because it's not oh, solved. Oh, it's not solved over there. Yeah. Okay. That like, I understand. Oh. Like you're fixing it and then they're going off of it. That piece I do get, but the, the holding it and they got it and you fixed it. And now they don't even know you fixed it. That sucks. I know. That was like, I was like sad panda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am definitely learning from this. I'm going to make sure as we're transitioning off our legacy to the new app that our people do not feel this way at all, that they are reminded (laughs) that their work is valuable and that somebody like our view on this is somebody has to maintain the legacy system until everybody's off of it. And someone may feel like they're held behind because they're stuck on the legacy. Like we're not for sure who's going to be doing that yet. So we still have to figure out who actually stays back on legacy. Like that's a whole big thing too. We're going to have to figure out and I'm going to just do my best to make sure that they know that their job is valued and the work that they're producing matters and that they matter to the company. I don't want anyone to feel like you're feeling. Well, and I think there is a kind of a magical part to being on the legacy platform, which is that There's just less people care, which opens up a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of constraints that I have. Like I can't create new data really because if I create new data, like new types of data, then that becomes a whole conversion problem because then they have to figure out how to get that data to the new system. So I'm, I'm very limited to really just improving the user experience instead of in creating new features. But within those constraints, it's like, at least the way I look at it, it's like a no holds barred. It's just have at it, try anything that crosses your mind. And if it works, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And worst case scenario, the legacy platform's going away anyway. Yeah. So 
it's very it's like to, in that respect it's really exciting it would just be more exciting if i got a compliment every now and then on some of the things <laughs> L- <I was> doing. <laughs> low risk low expectations yeah yeah exactly and, and this is how i pitch it internally at work as well is that it's like free user research meaning that if i build something and people like it then congratulations new platform i just proved this feature for you and now all you have to do is put it on your roadmap you already know and, it yeah. yeah, exactly. It will be a winner. So mm-hmm. you're welcome. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, one of the other things that I've been thinking about just recently with all this stuff is that going back to this idea that the, one of the customer support people said, hey, my, my clients are doing this thing and it's such a waste of their time. And I was like, oh, why did you not tell me this? It's really right. easy to fix. I'm sure a lot of this is because I don't have any managers. So there's not a good workflow pipeline for things that get to me. A communicated. I, yeah, I, I do wonder, I wish there was a better way to bubble up what I consider quick wins. Mm-hmm. Like how do you, support and the support adjacent departments in the company need a way to like get the little things, like the little quick wins somehow mixed in with the larger roadmap? Cheese. And Cheese. Yes. <laughs> I'm intrigued. <laughs> Tell me more. Say more. I mean, I'm sure that I brought it up on the podcast before, but something that we did a lot early on was we added a status to our ticket system called cheese, right? So there was oh, like, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. Fix, I remember you talking about that. Deferred, all that. And it's inspired by the West Wing, the TV show. So if you haven't, if you've never seen it, then you really won't get the reference. But the, the short version is it's a day where any cause can get an audience at the White House. No, Nothing is too small to be paid attention mm. to. And so they call it the, the Big Block of Cheese Day. It's inspired by this whole Andrew Jackson thing. Anyway, so like in, in the episode, the National Association of Cartographers wants the, wants the administration to like change the official map of the United States or the, the map that we push out, sort of endorse. It, mm-hmm. Not to change the land masses, but to use a different projection so that it more accurately represents the sizes of countries or whatever, which is not something that would ever come across the, the, even anybody that worked in the White House's desk, right? That just doesn't right, rise right. to that level. So we have that status in our ticketing system. And it's like anybody can feel free to put anything in our ticketing system. And when we triage it, we might go, okay, this is a valid request, but it it does not rise to the level of attention right now. So we just mark it as cheese. And then if you're ever in that situation where you're like, okay, I have two days and no projects. And I know in exactly two days, I have to start a new big thing. So I can't take on a big thing right now. So you can just go grab, okay, I'm looking at the cheese and I just go grab little things until I fill my time. Absolutely. And it makes people happy. They never know when it's coming, but when they get it, it's a nice little gift. So we would have a hard time getting it into the backlog period because the things I imagine been talking about are like workflow issues. It's not Zendesk tickets. It's not like, oh, there was a little bug here. It's just, oh, this process is very convoluted and it takes me a long time to get my job done. And these steps are why. And my users like... I think both though. Yeah, but it would be great, but I don't think our end users would ever put in a ticket for that. Like that would have to Mm. come in from a product complaint, which then has to be prioritized through the product mapping. And then that would come to us. So we get the little tasks that are like, oh, this doesn't look right or this doesn't work exactly the way, but the changing the workflow. And that's what I thought you were talking about earlier was it was a process that just took a long time. 
So you fix the well, process. I think one thing that would be helpful, and again, this is very specific to, to maybe our company, is we do get a lot of tickets for all kinds of stuff, feature requests and frictions and things that are breaking and things that we're working and, and are now breaking, regressions. And it would almost be super helpful if like even just once a month, an engineer sat down with someone from support and they just like rapid fire went down all the tickets to be like, the users say that they can no longer change their avatar. And you're like, right. small effort. Or you're yeah. like, users would like to log in with Google. Huge effort. Yeah. You know, yeah. users would like to do this. You're like, small effort, medium effort, mm-hmm. small effort. And then just That's like smart. totally shooting from the hip, categorize estimated level of efforts. And then maybe a couple of days a month or something, or like the hero rotation or the on-call rotation. Maybe some something where someone could say, let me just see. If there were a whole bunch of things here that were estimated, it doesn't necessarily work out that way, but estimated a small effort and see if I can just bang those out, having nothing to do yeah. with the feature roadmap at all. Yeah, or you have so your cheese I, items, like Adam said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying is like anything mm-hmm. small would be cheese. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I mean, what you're getting at here is that the people that accept those requests or hear that those complaints don't necessarily know the engineering effort required right. to Absolutely. correct that. And that's a problem that we all have yeah. to figure out how to solve. I think that's in all of our companies, Jeff. Yeah, hey, this reminds me way back in the day, really early in my career, I was working at this company, Nylon Technology, and we sort of specialized in building legal websites for legal firms. And every now and then you would get someone saying something's wrong on the site and they'll send you uh, a PDF where they literally took a screenshot of every page that had the error and like circled it and then scanned it into a PDF. I mean, like so much work. And they'll end up sending you a PDF. It's like 200 pages long. And it was, <laughs> and it's a mistake inside of a cold fusion template. Oh no. So yeah. It was just, it was the same exact Wasted error on every single time. page, but they didn't realize. Yeah. They didn't realize that they'd have to not show you every single instance of it, but it's yeah. that kind of thing where to them, it seemed like a monumental effort. And then yeah. to the person who understands how it's technically put together, you're like, that's literally a 30 second fix. Yep. And I should just do that. I should stop everything that I'm doing the moment <laughs> you tell me this is happening quick. and just, and then yeah. just knock it out. Being that you put that much effort into creating this ticket for me, I need to just fix this for you. Do do you guys remember the days before Git Stash Save? Git Stash Save. I just always do Git Stash. Save is the default action. So if you just do Git Stash, it saves it in your stash. So yeah, I mean, back in the day when you were like Subversion or CVS or any of these guys, like if you were in the Mm -hmm. middle of a huge project and and one of these requests that came in that would take 30 seconds to, to fix... There was no good way to set Mm. aside everything that I'm currently working on. I don't, I'm not ready to commit it yet. Nope. But like just set it aside, change my branch, could do a thing, commit it, push it, come back, pop my stash. We are so privileged. We are. We have no, people have no idea. We used to work on something called front page extensions. Do y'all know what that Mm -hmm. was? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was nice. It was amazing. Someone would go on vacation and you would go to do work and you'd have to get like the help desk to unlock all the files because they didn't finish what they were working on. They were all still locked to them. Like, well, I just need to fix it. And I can't even get to the files because they're all locked. Yeah. Dreamweaver used to do that, I think. Dreamweaver had a mode where you could, instead of reading off the local file system, you could read off of an FTP drive, I think. Yep. And it would pull down the FTP file 
And then it would push up like a file name dot lock file. Yep. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what front page extensions did. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. man. Those I'm trying to remember. The there was one that, that we used that was similar to that. I'm, I can't remember the name of the program, but it was, yeah, it was like one central repository and you get mm-hmm. like, you get a lock on it. And yeah, that was always the problem. Somebody either they check it in and it doesn't release the lock. And so now it's just become this whole big thing or yep. somebody has it locked. And, and yeah. Yep. The days, those days are thankfully behind us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel bad for anyone still working in that environment. It, it is crazy just how much Git and GitHub, or I think Carol or Tim uses Bitbucket. We well, use you know, Bitbucket. I'm, sure yeah. I'm sure they're all roughly the same. But it We just, still use Git, but it's just instead of yeah, yeah, GitHub, yeah. we but use just, Bitbucket it's, part. It's like to say that it changed work. It's such an understatement. Like Unless you were in the before days, it's like you don't even understand the degree to which things have changed. Yeah. I remember working with Tim to create our, like how we branch and how we release code and how we merge because nobody could get it right. And we kept rebasing onto branches and trying to figure out where the history of everything went. And I'm like, well, let's just stop rebasing. There you go. We're on the merge strategy. Fixed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, those early days, of, there would definitely be nightmares. People would get into these situations. They couldn't even tell you how they got there. <laughs> oh, like yeah. Suddenly, suddenly the, the thing they were working on, which was like three files, now had like 75 files that showed a difference. Uh-huh. It's like they had somehow rebased on a- An old branch. A, yeah, like an style, old thing, yeah. and then they merged it back in because <laughs> they panicked. <laughs> and, you're, and you're like, no, we just have to delete everything you were working on. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, buddy. Blow it away and reclone it. Yeah, I can't yeah, tell yeah, you yeah, how exactly. many times I've sat at someone's desk going, okay, let's go to Git graphs. Let's start here and see if we can figure out where the lines go because that's going to point <laughs> us to kind of what you did. And if there are no lines, you rebase somewhere. So yeah. we'll figure it out. <laughs> and Hopefully. the last year or two has gotten a lot better. But I can remember there were several years where it was like, my mantra was like, slow down, mm-hmm. calm down. Yeah. Don't panic because that's all that and always makes it worse. Push. Whatever you do, just don't push yet. Like yeah. hold your pushing. <laughs> Nothing gets pushed. <laughs> well, fortunately, now with GitHub, we have uh, branch protection on, so nobody oh, can good. like push directly to main. They can always Perfect. screw up their own feature branches. Sure. Right, right. They can't um, push in main. That's good. Yeah. And but yeah, like it, and like I said, it's gotten a lot better over recent years, but there was a bunch of times where like people would do something by mistake and then they would try to fix it and that would just make things worse. And then they'd yep. like merge main into their own branch. And now it's like, <laughs> sorry, you have to start your whole feature over. <laughs> Love it. All right. Total tangent for a second. So I've, I brought this up, I think, months ago. I bought these reusable ties for wires and inside of those. Yeah. Yeah. So inside of the tie is, I guess, uh, Adam called it like a sculpting wire. Armature and, wire. Uh, yeah. Oh. Armature, is that what we said? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I said that I've, I've been playing with it, like bending it back and forth. And for me, it's a really interesting mental exercise because I know at some point it's going to break because you, know, you can only bend metal back and forth so many times before it breaks. And it's been like living on the edge a little bit, playing with this wire, waiting for it to break, not yet breaking. And it, it literally, I'm just, no one can, listening can hear this, but like it literally just broke. Oh. And, uh, and life goes on. And like this is kind of actually an exciting moment because I, I was doing something that I know would fail at some point 
and it has failed. And, and it's like I sort of leaned into the idea that was like going to happen eventually. And it's almost like mental conditioning. They're like, yeah, you're okay with that. Be okay with that. You can replace this. It, and you caused little, it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. So there's a, I know I'm, it's, it, it, if you're not the one here twisting and bending it and <laughs> waiting for it to break, maybe it makes no sense, but there's like a, it feels almost it's like. It's an um, expected outcome and you got that expected outcome finally. That's how I take it. Yeah. 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 It, it's like uh, when you see martial arts people, and I don't know if this is just in the movies, but like martial arts people that take like a, a wooden dowel and they're running it up and down on their shins, to like kind of desensitize Ow! their shins Ow! from Let's being able to kick. That. And that's what I feel like I'm doing. Like I'm sort of like trying to desensitize uh, fear by by bending this little armature <laughs> wire until it breaks. Okay. Anyway, side rant over. I love good that side rant for me. Cool. All right. Well, then this episode of Working Code is brought to you by Ben CRM for that time your friend did that thing that you want to remember. Now available at crushingit.tips. <laughs> <laughs> and listeners like you. If you're enjoying the show, you should consider supporting us on Patreon. It's the best way to help keep this show running. Patreon donations cover the costs of editing and recording, and we couldn't do this every week without those things and without your help to pay for those things. So we really appreciate all the support that we can get. And of course, special thanks to our top patron, Monty. So we're off to go record our after show. Uh, no tease this week. You're just going to have to listen and find out or, or become a patron so you can find out. You know what I'd like you to do? Please uh, tell a friend about the podcast. Word of mouth, I think, uh, goes the longest of all ways. There's reviews and there's this and that, but uh, I think uh, word of mouth is probably the best possible thing that you can do. So tell your mom, tell your coworkers, tell your mom's knitting circle, Working Code, best podcast ever. We really appreciate it. Send us your topics and questions at Working Code Pod on Twitter or Instagram. You can join our Discord at workingcode.dev slash Discord. You could record a voice memo or even send a text question to workingcodepod at gmail.com. That's going to do it for us this week. We'll catch you next week. And until then, remember, folks, your heart matters. You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code. <laughs>